Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. Happy Healthy You, and now here's Connie. So much for joining me in this inaugural 2018 podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. I wonder if you've heard about our exciting news that we have a sponsor for the podcast, Blue Planet Eyewear. So they are a sustainable and wonderful creative company that creates these great glasses, sunglasses, readers, and they're super cute and they have every magnification if you're into readers, which now apparently I am, and um, you can get a discount. So if you go to their website, use the code Connie20 and you'll get 20% off and you can check out all their great styles and um, yeah, they're awesome. So today on the podcast, I have Billy Atwell. He's back and he has a new book called Unshakable Self-Confidence. You may remember Billy from a previous podcast. He is the host of Fear Not, the podcast, the Fear Not podcast. And he's awesome. He does so much to help uh, people overcome fears and live the life, as his book says, beyond your fears. Welcome, Billy. Thank you so much for coming back. Thanks, Connie. Yeah, it's really great to talk to you again. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. What's new with you? I have a new puppy. I, I should tell you, that's probably why I'm, I'm a little um, discombobulated today. This puppy is like overtaken my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, New Year's rolled around and I've been thinking about a puppy. I did not succumb to the temptation, but still envious that you have one. Yeah, yeah, we have been talking about it for a while. We um, have had dogs, you know, most of our married life, right, my husband and I. And um, we were. it's been about two years since our uh, last one died. And we had a couple years of freedom. And now, I don't know, we were just missing having a puppy around. And so it's been fun. But, oh, my gosh, I, I think I was... Um, I just was not prepared for how much work it was, even though I've done it several times. But they are certainly worth it. They're sweet and wonderful and adorable. And yeah, so. <laughs> and the yeah. puppy stage doesn't last very long, really. So if I can give you any advice, just, you know, give yourself a good month and a half to really get the puppy, you know, settled in your home. And yeah, do it, do it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe when things slow down a bit. <laughs> mm. So I want to talk about your book, and I'm so excited that you... Um, when did it actually come out, Unshakable Self-Confidence? It actually released January 2nd Sweet. of this year. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfect for the new year. And how's it going? How, is, how does it feel to have your book out there? You know, I, I, I wrote the book, and it kept me going, you know... I mean, we've, we've had conversations, you know, my sort of mission in life is yes. to help people to understand what fear is, both from a spiritual and a, a neurological and perception and how to develop self-confidence and, and to move beyond all that. So it was great. I was a little nervous, um, you know, with excited, kind of nervous when you when you put something out there in the world. Yeah. Uh, but just a couple of days ago, it, it hit number one on Amazon. So it was it was kind of 
That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I think that's what I'm kind of doing what I tell everyone to do on my show, which is, you know, step into the fear and just keep going and then believe in what you want to do because it will come. I love this title, Unshakable Self-Confidence. What if we walked through life with self-confidence all the time? I mean, wouldn't that be just amazing? (laughs) Unfortunately, most of us don't. We have uh, limitations that we put on ourselves. So, yeah. Yeah. So what was your motivation for writing this? I wanted to write it. It was the first time that I talked about me, myself personally, a little bit more intimately mm-hmm. uh, about the abuse that I've come through, um, both uh, through my stepfather and, and two spouses that I had, and just how really those experiences in life really shaped my pursuit on this concept of, of fear. I mean, my podcast actually was the first sort of a product, if you will, of, of, of almost four and a half years of research on what fear is and the power of our thoughts and how that shapes uh, our not only our self-image, but how we experience the world. And as I started to, you know, my show has been on for about two years now, and I really sort of connected with an audience of, of women who have been, you know, survivors of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the focus of the book was to explain that I understand where you're coming from and not only recovery, but again, that life beyond fear, that, that unshakable self-confidence is totally attainable. Um, I don't know how much you know about abuse, but... Yeah, you, let's go yeah, there. Yeah, when you're a victim... You really have a, a, a very low self-esteem, and usually you take all the responsibility. It's always like, what did I do wrong? What did I didn't do enough of? And so it's that negative thought pattern cycle, and until you realize that, that you've sort of bought into a lie and that you have actually the, the power given to us you know, by the universal intelligence, God, what, whatever you feel comfortable calling it... Um, that we actually have self-control and that we have the ability to change our life and our, and our thoughts and how that's done. And I go into the book about the really simple techniques that I've learned from studying Buddha and Jesus and Gandhi and like Marcus Aurelius and all these really great people and how to do it. And then also what happens when you run into those obstacles because you will run into obstacles. Sure. So sure. yeah. Do you you know um, anything about the statistics on abuse? I mean, I know that there are different, there are statistics for everything, but, you know, when I think about emotional, physical um, abuse, and especially I'm thinking about children, um, we all come into this world with different constitutions and different um, sensitivities. What might not be considered, I guess I should say that, what might not be considered abuse to the general population could be considered abuse. I mean, simply to a sensitive child raising your voice. And, um, you know, there, there are different interpretations, I think, of abuse. And I, I don't know, can you talk to that, speak to that a little bit? Maybe the, um, the statistics or how many, how many of us out there, because just from my podcast alone, I've, I have found that so many people have 
had childhood traumas, and usually, which usually leads to um, adulthood re-experiencing of those traumas so that we can heal them. What is your thought on that? Well, I don't think anyone has escaped some sort of negative situation. Uh, I don't want to use the word abuse, and I don't hesitate to use the word abuse because of that clarity, but nobody has ever walked this earth, either now or before or ever will, where someone hasn't degraded them through you're not worth anything or actual, you know, physical abuse like I suffered. So I don't, I don't really try to be like my abuse is different than your abuse because that gets into a whole another thing of, I think we separate ourselves from each other instead of creating a unity. Mm, um, okay. I, I believe that we are just forms of God. You know, we're sort of the mask of God, you feel, you know, sort of mm-hmm. Bar- Joseph Campbell, that that which we, we truly are is the same. So we are all the same. So I see that. I see the people saying, you don't understand my pain. You don't understand what I've done. And and sometimes the sensitivity, but I don't really engage in that because I don't think that, that helps the situation. Mm. But, but I know that, like you said, there someone has always had something in their moment, that moment in life where you believed that lie and you changed your self-image. And everyone has that story, regardless of exactly how it happens. So recovery from that is, is, is possible. I mean, that's the thing. It's, you know, you can give everything a different label and try to put apples and oranges and separate and all that stuff. But it really does boil down to taking responsibility for your thoughts and understanding what happens. Um, you know, like we, we talked on my show, um, what happens, you know, neurologically and physically in this form that we're in. And then also what happens through our spiritual capabilities. So yeah, I don't, I don't, that's a sort of a long story, uh, answer and maybe it's a little muddled, but I guess my sense is that it's a more pervasive issue issue, and that what you have to bring to the table with your book and your podcast is really such a valuable um, resource for people that I just, I, I, I'm just so excited that you're, you're here for everyone because it's a really, it, it seems to be a very common um, issue for people, people who come to my yoga classes and, you know, ev- everybody is... Um, looking for healing in some way. So, Yeah, and like I said, I don't try to say this and other because everyone has a story. I mean, I know this may not be a popular thing to say, but even those people that do cause, like, terror in the world, like a terrorist, mm-hmm. there was a definitive point in their life where their mental perception changed. Now, I'm not excusing what they're doing. Please don't misunderstand right. me, but... There is something that happens to everyone, and we're living under lies, lies of self-image and self-worth. And it's usually those hurting people, you know, I'm sure you've heard the expression, hurting people hurt people. Right, right, right. Yeah, everybody was a baby. Everybody was a little puppy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I look at my puppy. All right, so let's talk about, uh, you mentioned how you took a look at... uh, Buddha, Jesus, Marcus Aurelius. Who's your favorite dude to emulate? Or or when you wrote about it, who was your favorite? Um, you know, it, I think it varies. I kind of take it in all. I, Connie, I'm, I mean, 
I use the Bible a lot. I, I, I really do, and I talk about it in the book. I'm not trying to convert anyone to Christianity because yeah, me too. I know. I... Christian, Christianity has a lot of problems. <laughs> uh, religion has a lot of problems, but I don't think that that should take away from the wisdom in what Jesus was saying, which got muddled through the hands of men throughout, you know, till the present time. So I, I what I found fascinating is, again, it's that concept of the mask of God, that there's, I, I found a golden thread that runs through them all. And if we remove the form and say, not Buddha, not Jesus, Marcus Aurelius, but just that universal collective consciousness, that, I think that that helps too with the, the distinguishing and the fighting and stuff. So I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh, it totally makes sense. It's funny. I was reading, I'm reading a book right now. Um, It's part of my yoga, bringing my uh, yoga teaching into synthesis with my spiritual beliefs. And um, it's called God in the Body. And the chapter I was reading this morning uh, was talking about how Jesus came into the body, into a physical body to show us that we are all gods. We are all um, made of the same God stuff. And it gets so misrepresented. And if we look at the story of Jesus and the life of Jesus more as as a myth, like Joseph Campbell talks about the myths, and we look at his life and we can say, oh my goodness, you can see he was born of this, you know, regular person. Um, he grew up and he uh, had some, had a real spirit. He really believed he had this unshakable self-confidence that he was made of God, of the same God stuff as everyone else. And then he was willing to put his life on the line for it. I mean, talk about the the unshakable self-confidence of that, right? <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I mean, you were saying that and it's like two things that popped to my mind, which is split the branch and I am there, you know, that separation that I am me and God is something outside of me is just a really foreign concept to me. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. And that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying that, that he and God were one and that we are the same and we are capable of doing the same thing, if not more. In mm-hmm. fact, that's scripture. Right. You know? Right. If you trust and believe me, you will do these things and greater things. And I think that that's our problem in, in, in what I try to express in my book and through the show is that that sense of, I don't think ego is the right self, but it is a separation, right? It's that expression. I don't know if you've heard it. It's like the wave is coming to the shore and it sees all the waves in front of it crashing. And it's like, oh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And another wave is like, you are not the wave. You are the ocean. Right, right. That which you truly are never dies. And we have that sense of fear and and lack because we've forgotten who we really are. Hmm. And a lot of it's tied into just that limbic brain that we have inherited (laughs) that we're, I think we're, I believe we're evolving out of. Do you? Well. Somewhat. I, I I think it has more to do with social conditioning Hmm. that I think maybe we are coming out of that a little bit more because a lot of those stories and and the basis of Christianity as far as a religion came from the fourth century when the Roman empire took over Mm -hmm. 
the you know the Christian movement, if you will, and those thoughts and place their own mythologies and rituals on top of it in order to keep the empire from falling apart. So you know you gotta you gotta look at things, I think, accurately and and take things and pull the things that aren't true apart, and then then you find that core message. Mm. And, and I think that's what I think that's what we need to get away from is not from believing in God or the wisdom of Jesus, but from the rules and the regulations and mm. thou shall not. I think that I think that's more harm than anything else. Mm. So I agree. I agree. And I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because religion, the community that religion offers has so much richness and value and the, the ritual, even the ritual, and the, the um you know, if you study the mystics and some of the sacred art that goes around, there's there's a lot that can take you deep into an experience of God. But I think that a lot of ways the religious structures have, like you said, the Romans that came in and kind of took over because they saw that it was powerful. <laughs> um yeah. Uh, that need to be reevaluated. And thankfully, there are some people uh, working on that right now. R Richard Rohr, who's a Franciscan, and um, I'm following um, Thomas Keating in out in Snowmass, Colorado, and he's working on the, he has been working on the Centering Prayer Movement. And there's a lot of positive work um, going on within the church that is, and, and the Pope is, is, um, you know, making some pretty bold statements lately. So I think, I think there's some positive movement in that respect. So. Yeah. And I agree. And I think, um, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I'm going to assume that you were old enough to remember people like, you know, Jim and Tammy, you know? Oh uh, yes. Yeah. That, was a, that, that was... concept of send me money or you're going to burn in hell. And I yeah. think those are the things that have perpetuated the fear, the separation mm -hmm. and the fear. I'm sure. not, you know, please don't misunderstand me. Anyone who's mm -hmm. listening, but there was a time where that was the rule that there was someone standing on a pulpit telling you, and that comes from the Romans, that if you don't do this, you will burn in hell, which is so mm -hmm. contrary to the fact that, you know, if according to the Christians, you know, doctrine itself, if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're saved. So I don't know. I find it fascinating in my research. Maybe we're a little off topic now. Mm -hmm. but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I well, I don't think we are off topic at all, because when you think of fear and living with, you know, this underlying sense of dread that a lot of us really walk through the world with. Um, I read something recently that uh, it was an article that said, if you think that your your unconscious mind has not been affected by uh, Christianity and, you know, the, especially fundamentalism, then you are sorely wrong because you, in some way or another, you have been sort of brainwashed by it. And especially with regard to the fear, keeping people in line and keeping people controlled with the fear. And that's not yeah. what Jesus came to teach us, so... No, and I, I personally struggle with that. I was not raised with religion. My mom believed that there were too many religions to believe in any one particular one. So mm. in a sense, I am thankful for that. But you're right. I mean, even if you never went to church, you're still affected by the history of Christianity through even just the history of Western art. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Truth. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of fear and 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 condemnation and all this stuff. So when I started to study this about four years ago, I went through that fear because 
I actually sort of had a martyr syndrome. I mean, that was part of my victim status was that, you know, I, I really kind of thought that that's what, you know, Jesus, I mean, I always admired Jesus. It's not like I never, never knew about Jesus or anything, but, you know, I had a really warped sense of what it meant to be uh, humble and giving and unconditional love. And it takes some time to work through those social conditionings to actually find the truth. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So how did you find the truth? How did you come to um, make that shift? And you probably wrote about it in the book, so let's let's not give too much away, but give us some hints. Sure. You know, my journey first started with the with the power thoughts and, and, and taking control. And I did study it from a scriptural point of view. Uh, as you know, I've interviewed a lot of neuroscientists, you know, on my show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I started seeing from both that spiritual and biological concept of that. But that, that shift really didn't occur to me until I really started to get some breakthrough on that and to become stable. And then what I did really was I spent a lot of time quiet and meditating. Mm-hmm. Um, going over certain scriptures like, as God is, so are we in this world. When you reprogram, and I'm using air quotes, <laughs> mm-hmm. your mind and your subconscious with, right? Because that's what Jesus was saying. Constantly renew your mind. Mm-hmm. Daily renew your mind. So that's the key, is to cast out those thoughts that are negative and self-defeating and refeed, reprogram, renew your mind with truths and that was the turning point for me that that's what made the difference about really kind of getting a relative of the whole religiosity and doubt and and fear and really just becoming stable that I could handle whatever came my way because right no journey is perfect no journey is without obstacles but when you're confident and you're unshakable in your confidence you can meet that resistance and not let it stop you so, mm, mm, that's beautiful. That's a that's a nice little tweet right there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's talk about the power of meditation for transforming the mind. Just as a um, as a practice, uh, Thomas Keating calls what is he, he calls uh, the centering prayer, which is essentially meditation with a mantra. He calls it removing the emotional programs for happiness or, or um, clearing out uh, those emotional programs for happiness that we've uh, created for our survival. Um, just being still and being able to be in the presence of God with ourselves, it's healing. So can you talk about that? Sure, yeah. And I think just to sort of clarify, like happiness is a possibility, but usually what we do and what i've learned is that we have a warped sense of happiness we have that sense of happiness like nothing bad should ever happen we should face no hardship Mm -hmm. no challenges so when we're actually missing out on the happiness right to be to be in a prayer to be in a meditation state which is the same is to be present with god and when you're that still you realize that everything is fine If, if you just learn to be silent a, well, first of all, you'll you'll understand the blessing of just being alive and how wonderful that is and a gift. But then you'll start to notice, too, 
that we have a tendency to cling and to control. And the other thing that you'll learn is that when you're still, you become that observer. You know, it's a fairly common term Mm -hmm. in meditation that you will begin to see all the thoughts that pass through your mind and not not let them affect you. They they won't get a reaction out of you, Um, which I think has been the biggest amazing transformation for me is that you can have bad things, disappointments happen to you, but you don't have to suffer the pain. I understand what that means now, that you don't have to engage with that pain. And that doesn't mean that you're devoid of being a human or, you know, you're not a robot, you're not a zombie. It's that you have the option to say, no, you get into that center of the wheel and you remain calm, you remain peaceful, you're aware of your power, your identity, and all is good. I mean, that that's what, for me, meditation has brought, brought to me. Mm. Uh, I think um, one of the problems with meditation, I did the 10-day Vipassana um, sort of a boot camp uh, a couple years ago, and um, they warned us that day two and day six would be really tough. And day two was the day that we got to all the surface level um, things that were crawling around in our consciousness. And so they they come up and you notice them and they, they can be very fearful, some, some of these thoughts that are repetitive in our mind. And a lot of people might quit um, in the early stages of meditation and say, yeah, I don't need to think about this stuff. I don't want this stuff creeping around my consciousness and they shove it back down. Um, and then day six was when, uh, once you release or you just kind of observe, as you said, ob- the observation is key because you can observe without judgment. That's where the healing takes place. They can kind of dissipate. And then day six was when the deeper sankaras is what uh, they called it in the Buddhist practice, since you mentioned Buddha, um, they start coming up. And those are the deeper, more hidden, the things that kind of drive us and keep us um, stuck. And they start coming up. And that's really powerful and, and hard. So I think the key with meditation is to just keep going, keep sitting, keep finding, a, keep practicing. Maybe not as... Um, you know, uh, in the 10 day Vipassana, we were meditating eight hours a day. So it was, it was a lot, but if you do 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening, I find that that's sustainable over a long period of time. Yeah. I, I personally don't put any sort of regulations on, on quantity and time. I will agree with you though, that a lot of people do give up, right? It's meditation and, and that stillness is, is, it's just the Joseph Campbell. It's the hero's journey going into the center of the labyrinth mm-hmm. and facing the Minotaur that's in the center and then realizing not that you are the Minotaur, but that, that the Minotaur, you've allowed the control over that and you need to reclaim that. So I, I agree. I don't really try to worry about people who give up. Um, I've long since given up my... <laughs> Messiah complex and trying to control the world right, right. To, to fit me and to, to identify myself through that action. Um, because that that's what I think people need to learn too, is that you cannot change the external. It is only the internal that you have the ability to change. And when you do that, that's when life changes. 
Um, we're always trying to reach outward, right? We're reaching for the happiness. We're reaching for all these things. And I think too, that that's what I've seen in my discussions with people about meditation is people usually jump into those meditations about prosperity and, mm-hmm. and they, they haven't even gotten to the stuff that, you know, has control over their lives in a negative way. And then they wonder why these things don't happen. Um, you know, due to their negative states of mind. So it, you know, I don't know. My recommendation is, um, meditation is great because it will totally change your life, but I wouldn't get caught up in the whole 10 day meditation, 30 day meditation, just spend some time being quiet. And then you'll find that you'll constantly make more time for it when you start to receive the transformation because you're, your body will want to, I always say our bodies are, are addicts, they're junkies. So they're getting some sort of chemical fix. And currently most everyone is getting their fix through the negative experiences that, and then there's a certain chemical reaction. Mm -hmm. But if you can train your body to get over and to give up those negative experiences and reassure it that they're going to still get their, you know, adrenaline rush that that's what your body wants. The body just wants the chemicals, but if you can train it to get it to where it knows and realizes and is confident that it's going to get what it wants, even though you're going to switch the circumstances, uh, to me, that's everything. That's the more important thing. I Mm -hmm. think. And so as you started to change, as you started to shift your belief system and become more of the person you were destined to be, were there people in your life who noticed it and tried to hmm, yes, I know thwart, thwart <laughs> your uh, your positive progress, should we say? Yeah, yeah. I actually write about that in the book because that that's a huge obstacle. Anyone will go through that. For me personally, um, I literally had to start making some hard choices, and again, I, I do talk about this, and it's not an easy choice. I mean, I've gotten resistance from my family, and obviously, you don't really want to cut out your family, particularly because I only have two relatives left, but mm. it can be a challenge. But I would say that, and in my experience, I started to realize that as I was changing and moving out of that negative state, other people didn't want to. And so there was a constant effort on their part to tear me down. And so what I recommend in the book is, is that you just have to ignore it. You have to say no. And you, that doesn't have to be a confrontation. The, the beauty, right? We all have a tendency we want to fight, right? We want to say, you did this to me, you did that to me, and that it is not right. Well, that just perpetuates more negativity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not going to do anything right. Gandhi taught us that you don't combat negative forces with more negativity. You combat it with love. So if you just remove yourself and say, I'm not going to allow this. And what I found is if you stop communicating with those people, they're going to, they're just going to naturally fall away from your life. It, it's that simple. It really is that simple. The hardest part is being, you know what? I can live without friends right now because I'm in a state of transition. And then if I get, you know, if I allow these negative people to be dissipated, removed, you know, whatever metaphysical terminology you want to use, 
that will make room for the right kind of people. And it does happen because I'm in that state now where I, I, I got rid of the negative and then I left it open for positivity and amazing people are coming into my life mm. and people that are supportive. I mean, nobody's perfect. Please don't understand that they're going to be perfect people that aren't going to maybe say the wrong thing or you might have some conflict, but there's a difference between just being a human being and those who constantly, 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 constantly have nothing nice to say. And again, it goes back to the hurt people hurt people. So some amount of compassion, but you don't have to uh, be in their physical presence or in their energetic sphere of influence, right? Especially, you don't have to yeah. do what I did in my past, which is nail yourself to the cross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's been enough bloodshed. You just Truly. Yeah. disengage, just disengage with love, not hatred. Because if you, like I said, if you engage with hatred in them in any form, any sort of judgment, you're going to perpetuate that, even though they may not be in your life physically, that negative feeling and energy will be in you. And that's just going to hinder all kinds of things in your life. So, mm, yeah. Yeah. Good point. But, I love that you write about that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say for anyone that is listening, it, it, it really is hard. I don't mean to make light of it. It was not an easy thing for me to do, but it is what you need to do and you can do it and it, it will change. It will totally change. Mm, yeah. Even though it doesn't seem like it at the time. I love this. And if somebody is starting to read your book and they're thinking, I can never get to this place of bliss, of peace, of, of a, a state of mind where um, where Billy is now, for example, or some of these um, people that we've studied uh, or anybody that we admire that sits with a um, sort of a countenance of peace and contentment, um, what would you say to them? I would say the first thing that comes to mind is don't try to shape yourself in the image of another human being. I think this is another point where Christianity goes wrong, too. Um, you know, Jesus was pointing the way. We're not supposed, we were just supposed to trust. And the same thing with Buddha. You know, Buddha even himself, I know I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, go, go, go discover these things for yourself. Mm. You cannot, you can trust me and my journey and you can trust other people in their journey. You should trust like Buddha and Jesus and dare I say me. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's a big mistake. Don't try to be like Buddha. Don't try to be like Jesus. Don't try to be like me. Don't try to be like Gandhi. You've got to find your way. And that lies within you. Now, having said that, I would say you need to start studying the power of your thoughts. Um, you can definitely pick up my book. You know, you can cut the learning curve. Um, but if you were like me, who, you know, I love to read. I love to do research. Start studying things like uh, James Allen and, and start studying scripture throughout history. Start studying Marcus Aurelius. Find for yourself the, the golden thread, the, the truth that connects us all and runs through the soul. Um, yeah, that, that, would be, that would be my suggestion. I love it. I love it. And then, okay, so just as a final little point of conversation here. So we, we're sitting around, we're living on uh, a Hawaiian island, for example, and then 
we're feeling pretty good. All of a sudden, we get an alert that there's a missile heading for the island, <laughs> and we are tested. That's an that's an extreme example, but because it just happened, I thought we'd talk about that. So, so we we study and we we work, and then we will inevitably be tested, right? <laughs> you will. Um... I mean, I was sitting on Facebook the other day and one of my friend's daughters was living on the island and she texted, she posted on Facebook, we just had this, um, you know, thing come through about this missiles coming and I'm in my bathroom, pray for us. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yes and no. Like, I have no idea what, I mean, we've all seen movies like that, right? We've <laughs> yeah. experienced it through the eyes of someone else and obviously through the news, but I have no idea what it would feel like. And I don't know what I would do in that sort of situation. That crazy. That is, that is an extreme situation. Mm -hmm. um, so I won't, I won't say what I would do because I don't want to be tested. <laughs> right. I don't either. I don't, I'm like, no, thank you. Oh gosh. But those poor people, I just, I felt for, for Hawaii on that day, but thankfully nothing came out of it. But we are tested. We continue to be tested, and um, and we can create situations for ourselves where our testing is manageable. <laughs> for example, getting a puppy, <laughs> so <laughs> which is a, a sweet way to um, work on your your yeah, peace I mean, and happiness. So. I would just say that whatever you, I, I, I've prayed some pretty big prayers. I mean, I'm, I'm about to turn this book into an online course, you know, a masterclass. And I mean, even with your puppy, it's still the same thing. It's just, you, you, you wanted something and then there's that, that testing period. And again, it's just, I don't try to put other, you know, to separate it's whatever your testing is and whatever you've asked for, just, uh, for me, one of my favorite stories, I don't, not a big Old Testament kind of guy, but right. God didn't part the sea with Joshua when they were going into the promised land until they stepped into the water, mm. into the Jordan. Right. Mm -hmm. And that would be my suggestion to you is that whatever happens, that's the key. That is the key. Whatever fear, whatever it is, that's what fear not means. That's why I named my show fear. Not it means not to run. Fear mm. comes from Phobos the Greek word phobos in the Bible, which means withdraw, panic withdraw. So in those moments of testing, step into the test. Mm -hmm. Do not go back because there will come a time, which I'm sure you can testify to, Connie, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that it'll come back full circle to you. So it ain't going nowhere. Mm, good, good. Yeah, and what did the angel say? And since we're talking so much about the Bible, what every angel was the first thing they said. Fear not. Yeah, fear not. Yeah, I was... <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say? Did they say something else? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I didn't know who was going to say it, so I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much, Billy, for coming back and gracing us with your presence and your wisdom. And now your new book, Unshakable Self-Confidence, Simple Steps on How to Live Your Life Beyond Your Fears. So great. And I love the image that you have on the cover of the tree with the roots that just go so deep and spread out so vastly, because that is what we are called to do. Just spread our roots. Be here. Be here in this present moment and enjoy this fruitful life that we are intended to have. Right. This is, this is the kingdom of God. Enjoy it. Totally, totally. So where can we find your podcast and your book and... Anything else we want to near course that's coming up? 
The central hub for everything is my website, which is livingbeyondyourfears.com. The show Fear Not is available on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, iHeartRadio, you know, all the, all the, the platforms. My book's on Amazon. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Well, best wishes. Yes. I'll, I'll take that. See you. And, Thank you. And yeah, namaste. I like namaste. The divine in me honors and salutes the divine in you. So thank you so much again. And um, I hope I'll talk to you again. Good luck. I'm sure with the book. we will. It was, and it was great talking to you today, Connie. Thank As you for always. to happy a journey of hope healing and waking up is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies the loss of a child it's about love and sadness and being human the nine lessons in back to happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul healing from grief and loss is possible finding joy again is possible back to happy in paperback Kindle and audiobook at Amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com.